Happy Easter from the Lawrence family. We would like to share with you today's scripture reading. It comes to us from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, woman why are you crying she replied they have taken away my lord and i don't know where they've put him as soon as she had said this she turned around and saw jesus standing there but she didn't know it was jesus jesus said to her woman why are you crying who are you looking for thinking he was the gardener she replied sir if you have carried him away tell me where you have put him and i will get him jesus said to her mary she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't gone yet up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. Happy Easter! Good morning. Welcome to the Noblesville First Easter live stream feed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. We'd like to invite you to check in. If you're on Facebook, please put a comment. Uh, welcome the church family. One of the great joys of this live stream is to be able to connect with one another and know that we're worshiping together as one family at this time. And if you're new to Noblesville First and you're just checking out this live stream either now or later, welcome to you and, and happy Easter. We hope this day will be a special day as we recognize the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to make sure we thank all of you for the social distancing you are doing. Please know that some of our elements today are pre-recorded so that we can keep our numbers down today that are putting on this production. Thank you for what you're doing, because it's clear from the statistics we're seeing is that this social distancing is working, so please keep it up. This is a very serious situation, and your thoughtfulness is the way that we love one another in this time, and it's the way that you can make a difference in this crisis. I want to invite you to join with me now in our call to worship and it's shared responsibly. I will share both parts, of course. Don't weep. Don't mourn. There is good news. Christ the Lord is risen today. Put away your garments of mourning. Let the light of God's love flood into your lives. Christ the Lord is risen today. No more do we have to fear the darkness. It has been overcome by God's light. Christ the Lord is risen today. At this time, we're going to hear a uh, recording put together by Jonathan Romano of seven of our choir members here at Noblesville First of Christ the Lord is risen today. And we invite you to sing along with us.
As we come together for prayer on this Easter morning, we lift up these joys and concerns. We celebrate with Steve and Mary Baker on their 50th anniversary, which was yesterday. They first met back while serving in the U.S. Navy in Bethesda, Maryland. We celebrate that Mission Guatemala raised enough funds to purchase their clinic property, uh, which can continue to provide care for those in the community. And we're thankful that Brian Mills has recovered and is no longer quarantined. Please pray for the following people who are experiencing health concerns. Robert Palmer, who is Cindy Romano's graduate piano instructor. Zoe Terhune, Mark Intrigian, Angela Edge, and Chris Balcoma. We also express our condolences to Beth Lively upon the loss of her sister-in-law, Becky Wooden, and to Pat Clark on the loss of her husband, Jim, and to John Jenkins on the loss of his wife, Joey. Let's join together now in our call to prayer. Triumphant God, we rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and in the knowledge that hope is alive in us and in our world. We give thanks for the faithful women who travel to the tomb early in the morning, for the heavenly messenger whose good news amazed them, and for the glorious hope that death has lost its sting and joy comes forth from sorrow. Renew your life in us, O God. Grant us courage to live as people empowered by the resurrection all the days of our lives. We pray this in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. And now let us continue in silent prayer, and then I'll close this in a pastoral prayer. Holy and risen Savior, when everything was dark and it seemed that the sun would never shine again, your love broke through. Your love was too strong, too wide, too deep for death to hold. The sparks cast by your love dance and spread and burst forth with resurrection light. Gracious God, we praise you for the light of new life made possible through Jesus. We praise you for the light of new life that shone on the first witnesses of the resurrection, and we praise you for the light of new life that continues to shine in our hearts here today. We are your Easter people, and while we may be physically separated, we are united in you. Give us strength, courage, and patience for the days ahead. Protect those who are on the front lines of this pandemic and comfort all who mourn. We pray that the Easter light of life, hope, peace, justice, and joy will live in us each day and that we will be bearers of that light into the lives of others. And now we unite ourselves with you and with one another as we pray the prayer which Christ our Lord has taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, we're gonna hear a song, O Worship the King that was recorded several years ago by our own Noblesville First Choir. We found this CD and we've taken that music and put it with some pictures of our worship spaces that will remind you of the experiences you've had of God in these places. So listen and enjoy.
And welcome back. Uh, this is your warning that in just a few minutes, we'll have a children's message by Matt Hantelman. So this is your chance to go grab the children and uh, have that message that's specially shared for them. A few announcements I want to bring to your attention. First of all, starting next Sunday, we're going to have a three-week sermon series on Paul's letters from quarantine. We'll be looking at the books of Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, and discover how Paul was able to continue ministry, bringing encouragement to churches and faith to individuals, even while he was behind bars. We're also seeking some people that would help us promote the online presence that we are sharing now. Uh, we think this can become an outreach to our community. So we've got 25 yard signs that if you're willing to put one in your yard, promote our website and the places to find the messages, the live stream, and our fellowship, uh, please send an email to Carol Darling at cdarling at noblesofirst.com, and we'll have a team bring a sign out and put it in your yard, and then you can place it wherever you'd like it to be. In addition, our Teeter Organic Farm is starting its plant sale, and we'll have details about that, but it's going to be an online sale. We were inspired very much by the success that our preschool has had as they're about ready to conclude their plant sale. Uh, Lindsay Sheridan has shared that we are having record sales for that sale. So we hope to piggyback on that success by using a similar format where you can order online, pay online, and then a very safe delivery process will be set up. More details will come out on that. But in the meantime, we want help promoting that as well. So we have 40 yard signs that we need to distribute. So again, email Carol Darling and share that you'd be willing to place a teeter plant sale sign in your yard. We'll bring it out to you and you can put it in place as you wish. I invite you to bring out your phone or you can go to the website. Kathy Toms has put a link on for the opportunities to serve as well. And uh, just a couple things to lift up. We have several opportunities out at Teeter where you can go out and practice safe social distancing. You can be very safe and make a huge difference in the ministry that is ramping up out there as we continue to bring food to people that are food insecure in Hamilton County. Also, uh, some of our team, that our network that's been putting together, the Acts of Kindness Network, have been making some masks for our volunteers and for others. And we discovered this week that the Noblesville Police Department and our firefighters in the community don't have enough masks. They've just got enough for one day or two. And so we want to supply them with more cloth masks. So number one, we're looking for quarter inch elastic to help our team make, make the mask. And because there are 100 employees in our police department, 100 employees in our firefighter, firefighters department, that uh, we need more people willing to make masks. So if you're willing to help with that team, please email care at noblesvillefirst.com and we'll get you connected and continue to distribute. We gave out 20 masks this week to the Noblesville Police Department, so we're already making a difference there. Now for our stewardship moment, I just want to say thank you. Uh, the online giving has continued to grow each week. You are making a difference. You're making that shift when we can't pass an offering plate. But you can also still mail in checks, uh, whatever is most convenient for you. Our office staff is still processing mail. They're still answering calls. And I just want to just emphasize that the ministry of Noblesville First is still ongoing. Janelle Hadley mentioned that the youth ministry team had 12 hours of Zoom meetings this past week to the point that they think they may have be wearing the youth out with the Zoom meetings. I went back and looked at my own calendar and discovered that I had 15 Zoom meetings this week myself. Our pastoral care team continues to send out notes and make phone calls. They're responding to the prayer needs that have ramped up incredibly during this time. And even our custodial staff is working hard. This past week when we had two rain downpours, they were here in the middle of the night making sure the playground did not flood and let water get into our choir room. So the ministry at Noble First is going on and your giving is vital, so please continue. Now, you might even want to do that right now as we listen to this offertory recorded by our own Deb Smith.
Good morning. Happy Easter. We spend a lot of Sundays in church talking about what Jesus did and how he lived because we believe that that's the best way to learn about how God loves and how God wants us to live. And today is a special Sunday in the life of Jesus. It's Easter. Jesus taught us a lot about God's love. He taught us that God's love is like a small seed that grows up into a big plant. And he taught us that small seeds in us of faith and love, God can use to grow into big things. Jesus taught us that we are like branches on a vine connected down to the root, helping us stay connected to the love of God. Jesus taught a lot about God's big, strong love and how it makes all things new. One night, after Jesus ate dinner with his friends, he went to a garden to pray. Angry people came and took him away. And angry leaders made fun of him and then hung him on a cross and they hurt his body. And then they made fun of him, and that hurt his feelings too. The disciples wondered, why would anyone do this? And then Jesus died on that cross. And all at once, the hope and love of the world seemed broken. And the disciples didn't know what to do. But they took care and they wrapped up his body. They were careful with him. And they put him in a tomb. A few days later, some of the women went to check on him and continued to take care of him. But what they found when they opened the tomb was just the coverings. They went outside the tomb and they found that Jesus was alive. Even though it had seemed that the hope and love of God was broken, God was making all things new. And God took what seemed scary and turned it into new life with Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you on this Easter Sunday for new life and for your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Matt, for that message. To the best of our knowledge, we have three persons within our congregation that are connected to our congregation who have contracted the coronavirus. One of those is Brian Mills. Uh, Brian teaches our fourth and fifth grade Orange Express Sunday school class. He also happens to be the CEO of the Community Health Network, where he oversees 13,000 employees. Well, Brian has now recovered from this virus. He's uh, out of quarantine, and he was willing to share his testimony of what that experience was like for him, and also how his faith helped him to endure that situation. Please listen. Hi, uh, it's Brian Mills here, and I'm uh both honored and delighted that uh, Pastor Jerry uh, asked me to speak today. And I'm filming this on uh, Monday to start a Holy Week, but I'm told it's going to be shown on Easter Sunday. And that's, um, that's really special to me in a lot of ways. He wanted me to talk about you know, my recently um, being diagnosed with the coronavirus, and that's true. 
I'm glad to say that I'm, I'm now uh, 17 days post um, um, having a positive test. And uh, so I'm out of quarantine, which is nice. I've been able to take a couple of walks and realize that I'm, I lost a couple steps in there the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I'm feeling, feeling much, much better. Uh, at the same time, I do have some lingering impact and that's, that's just uh, an inordinate amount of sleep that I require. So uh, I know I'm still battling this, but I know I'm also going to get through it as well. But I also want to encourage you all to just uh, realize this is real. I mean, you know, I work in healthcare, so I see it every day and we monitor, you know, all the numbers and, you know, we're, we're still seeing a real uh, surge in these cases and we do not see that, hap uh, that changing anytime soon. I would love to be wrong on that one. Um, but this is real. Uh, this is something that's really scary. Uh, this is something that I know we've got a lot of restrictions being placed on us right now, and we just really need to get through it, get this contained. Um, I, um, I also want to at least speak a bit about my faith. And I, um, uh, I would say one of the reasons that I think I did so well um, through my, my diagnosis and I was, I was not hospitalized, even though in a lot of ways I was uh, probably had conditions that would have, could have led to that. I'm glad I didn't. But I, I would, I would credit my faith for a great bit, a great part in that. And um, so I had a daily scripture. I've been doing a, a Lent study with, um, with um, that's been sent to me by a friend, and that's been very, very helpful. But I'd say most importantly is the fact that I've never felt like I was battling this alone. Yeah, I've got doctors helping me and other people advising me, but I know that uh, the Lord's with me. And I, I could feel that strength, I could feel that uh, confidence, I could feel having somebody by my side. And I think that's what's so, so important for all of us, that at times of, of all of these reasons to, to be scared, have fear, um, we find peace in Jesus. And um, so I, I hope that message means something to you. Same time, um, I got something I'm gonna read for you. This is not spiritual. Uh, this came from a friend of mine who runs the uh, hospital system out in Richmond, Indiana. And, and it's, uh, it's something I've shared with my staff and some of the videos I've done for them. And I just thought it's something that everybody ought to hear. So I'm gonna read this to, for you. It says, um, I imagine if Dr. Seuss were alive today, he'd write something like this. The buildings were big and the people would smile and travel they would mile by mile. But sick they become and numbers that grew, businesses worried, communities too. Things stopped for a bit, the world slowed its roll, the virus had certainly taken its toll. But what they then saw from slowing things down is in fact they now had less reasons to frown. Families gathered, what game shall we play? Pass me the blue crayon, give mommy the gray. Dad's home, guys, he'll read us a book. Then all of us together will cook. The lungs of the planet caught a small break. Less travel meant less pollution to make. People did realize they'd all be okay they don't need much, they don't need so much to get through the day. Maybe this virus that caused so much stress showed the world that more can mean less, inspired by Dr. Seuss. And I just think that's so special and, and something to take away from all of this. But my final, final comment is really simple. It's Easter. Jesus defeated death. So no matter how much fear we have, we know in our heart and in our faith, he defeated death. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Thank you. Happy Easter. A reading from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Jesus appears to the disciples. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Before we begin, I just want to say a word of thanks to all the people who have put this live stream together, our production team that's here this morning, but also a lot of work that's been happening through the week to pre-record these elements, put them together. A special shout out to Tom Shriver McGreevy, who's put an ordinate amount of time making this all possible. So this isn't exactly the Easter we had in mind, is it? We usually are gathered here with a full sanctuary, usually looking for extra seating to make room for everyone to be present. We usually have a full choir, orchestra, and we'd all be launched into a powerful rendition of Christ the Lord is risen today. We listen to the familiar scriptures that we've heard many times before, but they never get old on Easter. And then we'd go out together as a family, either out to dinner or at home to enjoy a family meal because this is one of those holidays still respected by our society. It's a day for family and a day for faith. Instead, I stand before you in an empty sanctuary. And I walk through this building, it is so incredibly depressing to see these empty spaces that are usually full of activity during the week, every night. It's a stark reminder that the church really is the people. The excitement of Easter is the renewed relationships, the conversations, the hugs. And it tells us that faith, our faith, is best practiced in community. So today we gather the best we can separately, safely. And we just don't know when this crisis will be over. We don't know what our world's going to look like when it's all said and done. And if we're honest, we probably had a few dark thoughts these past few weeks. We're fighting an enemy we cannot see. Every person is a potential threat, even our own grandchildren. We cannot do the things that we love, go to the places we desire, or be with the people who make life worth living. And it's even hard to motivate. We try to do our best to self-care. We, we establish some routines. We, we try to, to do something that keeps us in touch with one another. But when you don't know when this will end, when you can't have goals or something to strive for, it gets us down. And then there's the human suffering. We watch all those models, no matter which one we pay attention to, those mortality models that let us know that there are going to be people and more people who are going to die from this. And we wonder, how many of those people are we going to end up knowing? And we know that if we're not careful, we could be one of those statistics ourselves. This is not the Easter we were looking forward to, is it? But you know, we're not the first people who have experienced tragic situations in our world. I hope that you are paying attention to the scripture that Jerry Montag read when he talked about the disciples being behind closed doors because of fear. Well, think about the week that the disciples have been through. Started out last Sunday and it was an exciting day on Palm Sunday when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey with palm branches waved and people shouting Hosanna, but quickly things went south from there. On Monday, Jesus was in Jerusalem once again. And there, when he saw what was happening in the temple, his anger fueled and he started overturning the tables of the money changers. The disciples had to wince as they had to know how much that angered the temple priest. Then on Tuesday, Jesus is back in Jerusalem. And now he's being challenged by those temple authorities, wanting to know by what authority he had the right to take such drastic action. They confronted him with questions, trying to capture him in, in a crosshairs, asking him who they should pay taxes to. And Jesus confused them by saying, Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and to God that which is God's. Jesus told parables that warned that the kingdom of God that they thought they owned 
was going to be taken from them and given to those that they had ignored. Wednesday is what we call Spy Wednesday. It's when Judas conspired with the, with the Jewish authorities to betray Jesus. Jesus spent the day in Bethany, a suburb of Jerusalem, and there his feet were anointed by oil by Mary of Bethany. And Jesus claimed that his body was now anointed for burial. And then Thursday comes. And Jesus gives instructions to a few disciples to go and prepare a meal which would end up being his last supper. And when they gathered together, Jesus scolded them because they did not understand what it meant to be a follower of his. They were called to be servants of one another. It was Jesus that got on his knees and washed the feet of the disciples. And then during that meal that they shared, Jesus declared that one of them would betray him. And they would soon find out, because not long after, in the darkness of night, in the Garden of Gethsemane, they were surrounded by a detachment of Roman soldiers sent by the high priest. Jesus was taken under custody, the disciples scattered, and Jesus was put under trial to the Sanhedrin for blasphemy. Peter denied Jesus three times. And then Friday was anything but good. He's brought before Pilate. And Jesus brings him to the crowd and lets them make that hard decision. And there was probably a few disciples in that crowd and their hearts must have been broken as they heard the crowd call for him to be crucified. They would have heard of Jesus' torture. They might have even witnessed him carrying his own cross through the streets of Jerusalem out to Golgotha. Then Saturday comes. There's nothing in the scriptures of what occurred that day, but it had to be a day of mourning, a day of grieving, a day in which the disciples would have asked why. How could things turn so quickly from hope to despair? They've lost their friend, their rabbi, and all the dreams they had for them and for their nation, and now they're locked behind closed doors, wondering that if they're found, they might suffer the same fate as Jesus. Well, in this challenging time, my guess is that we feel a few things in common with those disciples who are behind closed doors. Our world's been turned upside down. We're living in that Good Friday experience, and in a sense, the Good Friday is still happening. But those who live with faith, we've got something that helps us get through that time. It may be that not-so-good Friday, or it might be Saturday. But we know Sunday is coming, and we declare on this day, it is here. One of the best sermons I've ever heard was shared by Tony Campolo. I heard it down in Bloomington at the South Indiana Conference, the gathering of clergy and laity each year. And he was giving the main address, and it was drawn upon that Easter message. And he was talking about all the problems we have in our world, all the global concerns, and the personal challenges we have. And as he described each one, he would pause and share the refrain, It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. After a while, the crowd would join in him, shouting together, It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. Well, that refrain is definitely on my heart right now. When we see the rising numbers of those who are contracting the virus and those who are dying, it feels like Friday, but Sunday is coming. When the statistics become people we know, which they've started to do this week as it comes into our church office, it feels like Friday, but Sunday is coming. And we look ahead and we start to worry and wonder, will we ever feel safe around people again? It feels like Friday, but Sunday is coming. And when we worry about the economic fallout, whether we'll regain our jobs, we worry about the uncertain future of our finances and the ability to provide for our families, it may feel like Friday, but remember, Sunday is coming, and today we declare it is here. We have that faith with us. Two more things I want us to take with us on this day. First thing, I hope that you notice that the disciples did one thing right. 
They may have been afraid. They were behind closed doors, but they knew enough to gather together. Jesus had instilled in them that sense of community, and they knew they needed to find comfort in one another. And we may not be physically together on this day, this Easter, but I would suggest to you as your pastor that our congregation is more connected than ever before. Between the phone calls and the note cards, the Zoom meetings, the emails, our Facebook Live, all these ways we are coming together and now we appreciate, we don't take for granted the community that we are. And it's much appreciated. This week I was <clears throat> speaking with John Jenkins. <clears throat> Excuse me. John attends our 9 and 30 service. And this week, tragically, he lost his wife, Joey, of 20 years. She had an ongoing health concern, <clears throat> but her passing was sudden and unexpected. I've talked to John a couple of times this week, and, and we were discussing the challenge it is to lose <clears throat> somebody at any time during, <clears throat> but especially during this process, when you can't hold a funeral, when you can't bring together family and loved ones, how difficult that is. And he said, yes, Jerry, but God's been with me. And he shared an experience he had. The day he came home from the funeral home after making the arrangements for his wife, Zoe, he came home in the evening. It was growing dark, and he saw outside his condominium complex up at Morse Reservoir about 25 to 30 neighbors who had gathered together, and they each had a candle lit in honor of his wife. Well, John felt God's presence, and we can continue to connect in safe and creative ways. Continue to do that. Let's continue to be that faith community. And the other image I want you to take with you on this day is that our Lord was able to walk through walls. Those doors may have been closed, but you cannot lock Jesus out of any door. He found those disciples living in fear, and his first words to them was not scolding them, not challenging them for their lack of faith. He simply said, peace be with you. Those were the words that he offered those disciples. Well, we may feel that same fear, and that's okay. We've never been through this before. The disciples had never been through that before either. And Jesus' message to you is peace be with you. Well, we will never forget this Easter. It's not the Easter any of us had in mind. Our Lord is risen and may we still feel that though it feels like Friday, Sunday is coming, and we declare on this day, it is here. Let us live with faith. Our Lord comes through walls and offers his peace to us on this day, in our time, and in every circumstance. Let's pray. Lord, bring your Holy Spirit among us and within us. Unite us as your people each in our own separate places. May we feel the excitement, the power of the resurrection that overcame all things. Your resurrection overcomes all evil, all powers. It is with us now. May we feel that and cherish that. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior, who is our risen Lord, risen indeed. Amen. Well, an Easter tradition that we have here at Noblesville First, at least for several years, when this sanctuary was our primary worship space, is ending the service with the congregation turning themselves to the back window, the resurrection window. I'm told that the, that the choir would slip in from the back doors into the choir loft. And while the pastor then shared the importance, the significance of that window, as soon as he was finished, they would launch into the Alleluia Chorus. So let me tell you about that window. That window is 36 feet high. It's five feet wide. The dominant color is white. And the theme for the windows and the sanctuary were developed by Reverend Mark Blazing. I had the pleasure of attending college with his daughter, Jan, as well as his son-in-law, John, at the University of Indianapolis. Let's focus on the detailed symbolism 
that we find in this window. If you look at the bottom, you see there's the dove of the Holy Spirit, which comes at Pentecost after the resurrection. Above that are Easter lilies, which symbolize new life. And then you'll see two lengths of chains that are broken to declare that Jesus has broken the chains of sin and death. Then notice the feet of Christ. They still show the holes where the nails were driven when Jesus was on the cross. And then we see the central figure of the risen Christ, robed in brilliant white. The staff with the cross fixed at the top, they represent Christ's concern for the world. And the crown, the phoenix design and radiance emanating from Jesus' face, emphasize his victory over death. Let us listen to a recording of our own choir singing the Alleluia Chorus on Easter a few years back. While we enjoy the stained glass for windows and churches and cathedrals around the world. Amen. Yeah. 